How America's New Woke Religion is Not Good News. Today is part two of that topic right here on the Christian Worldview radio program, where the mission is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm David Wheaton, the host. The Christian Worldview is a nonprofit, listener supported radio ministry. Thanks to you, our listeners, for your prayer, your encouragement, and your support. You can connect with us by calling our toll-free number, which is 1-888-646-2233, or by visiting our website, thechristianworldview.org. Well, last week in Part 1, Owen Strand, who's a professor of theology at Grace Bible Theological Seminary, and the author of the book, Christianity and Wokeness, How the Social Justice Movement is Hijacking the Gospel and the Way to Stop It, explained how the new religion of wokeness, or sometimes termed social justice or critical race theory, has taken captive the minds of Americans in every sector of our society, whether politics, education, media, business, and yes, even the evangelical church. Owen defined wokeness as, quote, being awake to the systemic injustice that characterizes our nation with regard to white versus black race relations, but also with other groups who identify as minorities and thus are oppressed, like women, homosexuals, transgenders, and immigrants. Be not deceived, though. Equality is not the point. Punishment and payback are. The oppressors, considered the whites, Christians, and males, must be toppled, and the oppressed, who are quote-unquote people of color, quote queer, and women, must be put in power. And that is exactly what is taking place throughout every sector of our society. This week in part two, Owen Strand will explain how wokeness is really just an updated version of Marxism, how it rejects God's order for creation, and how it fosters grievance, blame, and division rather than peace and unity based on the gospel of Christ. We will also hear more from Twyla Brace of Citizens Council for Health Freedom on the proposed, quote, pandemic treaty between the United States and the World Health Organization that would give the World Health Organization authority in cases of, quote, unquote, health crises. But first, let's get to the interview with Owen Strand. Now, as a lead-up to that, I want to play one soundbite from a recent message he gave at the Truth Matters Conference at the Ark Encounter in Kentucky, where he spoke on this topic of wokeness, and he describes here its Marxist roots. In the late 19th century, Karl Marx in Europe stirred up wicked rebellion against authority. He argued that rich people inherently oppress poor people. And Marx's ideas play to the natural resentment of the fallen human heart. During the mid-20th century, European philosophers adopted Marx's framework against cultural institutions like the family, the church, and the government. They argued that all these traditional institutions mediated oppression. There's authority in those different institutions that God has made. God himself has formed those institutions. And because there is authority, there is oppression that flows from authority. You see, Marx's basic idea is that if you have somebody who has power and authority over others, that is evil. That is wrong. Now, it seems pretty patently flawed, but that's what those who believe in this woke ideology hold that anyone who has a position of majority or power is therefore an oppressor. And of course, God never says that in the Bible. There will be those in power and authority. In fact, God holds the greatest authority, so that should give you a hint at who this rebellion is actually against. And of course, God's word tells those in power not to oppress the weak, but by virtue of just being in power or authority, that doesn't make them evil or sinful as the woke crowd contends. So keep that in mind as we get now to part two of the interview and start out with another soundbite from his message at the Truth Matters Conference 
about how the evangelical church has been gaslit by the social justice movement. And what has happened in this society in America is that we have all been gaslit. Gaslighting is when you convince somebody who is sane that they are crazy. And that is what wokeness has attempted to do in this society. It has attempted to convince an entire populace that we are all impossibly racist, that racism is truly everywhere, that we have not made those gains we mentioned earlier. And this is a great gaslighting. And it has happened to the church as well. You have been taught, people have tried to persuade you that you are a racist, that if you have white skin, that you are inherently a white supremacist, that you need to repent of your whiteness. There's one sermon after another you can find out there. Some of you have heard this evil preaching that is no preaching at all. Some of you have been called to repent from a pulpit along these lines. Owen, who are the major evangelical proponents of this? So maybe when we hear their names, we hear them on radio, we see them on YouTube, when we get forwarded a link, oh, you got to hear this message. Who are the major evangelical proponents, whether individually, organizationally? And how far do you think this is going to go? That's a good question, David. Fundamentally, it's tragic that wokeness has crept into even organizations that were once sound, that many of us once appreciated and trusted and shared links of and that sort of thing. So sadly, the Gospel Coalition has embraced some degree of wokeness. We've seen in 2018, even at a place like Together for the Gospel, wokeness was present. The book Divided by Faith by Emerson and Smith has been widely recommended in evangelical and reformed circles. And Divided by Faith was written just about 20 years ago, but is woke from cover to cover. So those are some of the outlets that we could mention. Eric Mason is a preacher who has promoted wokeness. Jamar Tisby has written the book, The Color of Compromise. Not a Christian, but widely shared in Christian circles. It would be Ibram X. Kendi's work, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Also, D'Angelo's book, White Fragility. White Fragility is, is the text that has helped flip a lot of preachers and teachers and academicians. And white fragility makes the case that you and I were talking about earlier in the program, where you really kind of flip your worldview. Once you thought people are sinners in need of God's grace, but basically, again, that, you know, most people treat one another decently. It's not as if there's a burning cross on every street corner or something like this in America today. But white fragility, through Robin D'Angelo's writing, tries to convince basically white people that they are, in fact, what I said they were according to her and other voices. Everybody's really a white supremacist if they have white skin. And, uh, and so you're a racist. And the book is one story of another of this speaker, Robin D'Angelo, trying to convince white people that they are inveterate racists. Those are some of the texts and some of the names that we could mention, mm-hmm. but there's sadly many more. Thankfully, there are also a good number of folks who are joining the call and standing against this ideology, Vody Bauckham, Josh Bice, Tom Buck, John MacArthur, and many others we could name. Owen Strand with us today on The Christian Worldview. Let's get to the next soundbite from your message, which I think explains why things have gone so wrong in our nation and even the church. In verses 19 to 20, we see an invisible but essential biblical truth. We see that we all live in a courtroom. By this I mean that we all live our lives before God. God knows us as creator, but God regards all of us as just judge. That may not be the situation we prefer. We're being trained today to think, well, if I don't like the situation... I just reject it. If I don't like my body, I just reject that identity associated with it. My reality is my reality. You can't impose your reality on me. You can only affirm my reality. That's really the culture's doctrine of love today, isn't it? Affirmation. No transformation. All affirmation. I am who I am, and you affirm that. If you fail to do that, you hate me, and I'm coming for you. We don't like the fact that God has set up the world. We don't like that God is our creator in our natural state. But that is the way the board has been set up. We're all then in a moral and judicial setting. 
We've done nothing to set it up ourselves. We haven't chosen it. It's not constructed according to our free will. Not a molecule of it. But it is the way it is. I like how you explain the big picture out there, how God is the one who is the creator. He is the one who establishes the laws for mankind. We are subject to him. So the follow-up question has to do with recent events. We've seen these mass murders in Buffalo and then Uvalde, Texas. Kids used to bring guns to school when, when they were younger, put them in their lockers and so forth. This, this is a, a more recent phenomenon in America in the last 30, 40 years. Talk about how this reality of God setting the, the universe and its moral order and how man's rebellion against it is really the root that now defines our society. Is it too much of a stretch to say that really explains why these these mass murders happen that we see where someone goes into a school and, and shoots school children? Yeah, it's definitely one of the factors, one of the key factors. We have witnessed the collapse of biblical authority, even what you could call really biblical influence in America in the last 30, 40 years, perhaps even more broadly than that. But basically what has happened is the family has collapsed. And uh, you can trace that back to Marx as well. Marx hated the natural family. Jeffrey Johnson, the president of the seminary at which I teach, Grace Bible Theological Seminary in Arkansas, has written a really good book, What Every Christian Needs to Know About Social Justice, that I strongly commend to your listeners. And in this short book, very readable, Johnson goes back and does the homework and quotes Marx. Everybody thinks Marx was about just economics. He wasn't. He hated the natural family, what is often called the nuclear family in our culture today. He hated a father having authority. He hated man-woman marriage and children being under parental authority and, and the nurture unto divine grace that Christians seek to provide. Marx despised all of that, and Marx himself did not practice that in his own life. He was a degenerate in many ways, as Paul Johnson's book, Intellectual shows. So what has happened, uh, among other factors, David, in this society is that the family is collapsing and in different respects has collapsed. And so even when you share that anecdote of children bringing guns to school, they did so in my childhood in Maine as well. You'd see a, maybe a shotgun in the back of a pickup truck in the parking lot of the high school. What has changed that would make even someone like me, who is pro-gun, uneasy today is there is not going to be, in at least some cases, a father in the home, a strong family structure, and even any kind of generic Judeo-Christian influence in the home for children. So we need schools and many other places to not be gun-free zones. But we also just have to recognize that we are all living in utter chaos and we are living in cultural devastation, even though the world still looks normal and still functions to a pretty significant degree in God's common grace. Nonetheless, with the absence of fathers, with the loss of fathers, has come, and this is a big statement, but I believe a true one, the collapse of our society, at the very least, the ongoing collapse of our society. That is a somewhat bitter word for me to say, David, but God willing, Christians can be salt and light in these evil days and can work to strengthen boys into men and can train men to be fathers, godly fathers and godly husbands and godly workers wherever they are. And we can play a part, God would so will, in the recovery of the family in the society. Society is not built upon government, especially big government, which is evil. Society is built upon the family and fathers stand at the center of the family. Mm, that's so well said. Owen Strand with us today on The Christian Worldview. He's a professor and author of the book Christianity and Wokeness. I'm just going to play one more soundbite, and this is where toward the end of your, your message at the Truth Matters Conference, you compare, I don't even want to call it the woke gospel, because gospel actually means good news. There's nothing good news about about <laughs> wokeness. So I'll just call it the woke message or woke ideology versus the the real gospel. Here's what you had to say. Christianity, unlike wokeness, is not a hateful religion. Christianity does not come into Christians and divide them. Wokeness does. Wokeness divides churches. My buddy Josh Bice has said it well. Wokeness offers us a grievance gospel. Christianity offers a grace gospel grounded in a forgiving father who works through a loving son and a powerful spirit.
consider what Vodi Bauckham has said on this count. Who am I to tell a white brother that he cannot be reconciled to me until he has dredged up all the racial sins of his and his ancestors' past and made proper restitution? Bauckham says this, Christ has atoned for sin. That's it. This is not only a better gospel than any other gospel. This is the only gospel. This is the gospel that heals, restores, enchants, frees, liberates, looses, renews, reinvigorates, releases. Come and be saved in this gospel. And if you are saved, come and be encouraged afresh by what your God is doing in you. Christianity versus wokeness is a battle of different atonement doctrines. The way of atonement is not endless reparations. The way of atonement is the blood of Christ. No further atonement is needed. No further atonement will be accepted. These are the terms. It is finished. You do nothing to atone for your sins. Wokeness is lying to you. You can't atone for one one millionth of your sins, let alone your ancestors' sins. But the cross of Christ is completely sufficient for atonement. You contrast the true gospel from that it's a gospel of grace versus the woke message is a gospel of grievance and that it's a different atonement. (laughs) It's a battle of atonement, you say, in this soundbite. Okay, we need to take a brief pause for some ministry announcements. Would you like to help the Christian Realview continue broadcasting on the radio station, website, or app on which you are listening today? You can become a Christian Realview partner by calling one 646 2233 visiting org, or writing to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. And if indeed we succeed in hacking and engineering life, This will be not just the greatest revolution in the history of humanity. This will be the greatest revolution in biology since the very beginning of life four billion years ago. Science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design. That was Yuval Noah Harari, a leading advisor to Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum. Dystopian scenarios like this will likely mark the days leading up to the return of Christ. This is why we recommend you order Steve Miller's new book, Foreshadows, 12 Mega Clues, Jesus' Return is Nearer Than Ever. You can get it for a donation of any amount. Just call one 646 2233 or go to org. And God loves you so much, he became a human being, suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. That means you don't have to end up in hell. God can legally forgive your sins because he's the lover of your soul. And then Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death. Mario, if you give up the battle and just say, God, I'm a rebel, and you repent and trust in Christ, God will forgive every sin you've ever committed and grant you everlasting life as a free gift. Do you believe what I'm saying? Yes. It's the gospel truth. I wouldn't lie to you. Ray Comfort is a tireless proclaimer of the gospel and a sharp defender of the faith. Did you know that Ray has written the commentary for the Evidence Study Bible, a New King James version that is chock full of evidence for the faith and instruction on evangelism? To purchase the Evidence Study Bible, go to thechristianworldview.org or call one 646 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. And welcome back to The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Be sure to visit our website, thechristianworldview.org, where you can subscribe to our free weekly email and annual print letter, order resources for adults and children, and support the ministry. Now back to the interview with Owen Strand, author of Christianity and Wokeness, as we discuss how America's new woke religion is not good news. Owen, you contrast the true gospel from that it's a gospel of grace versus the woke message is a gospel of grievance and that it's a different atonement. (laughs) It's a battle of atonement, you say, in this soundbite. Explain more that battle of atonement 
And then what is the call for us listening today based on what you said in your message? Yeah, basically, reparations is you atoning for your sin ongoingly. And so that's what we're being encouraged to do by the left today. The left is telling us in the society that in order to make a just society, in order to heal what has happened in the past along racial lines, white people need to pay up and governments need to pay the ancestors of oppressed people of color. And so what we need to understand is that that's a system of atonement. And the cross for the Christian, according to Scripture, is the only atonement. It's not that the cross is a slightly more effective form of atonement than any other form. It's that there is no atonement for sin other than the propitiatory death of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross to satisfy the Father's wrath against sin and wash us clean, forgiving us, securing our forgiveness that is made effectual when we trust in Christ by God-given saving faith, God regenerating our heart to do so. So that is the one and only atonement known on planet Earth. Now, don't misunderstand me. Many different systems of atonement have popped up now and in days past and will continue to pop up. There's many different theologies of atonement offered to us, but there's only one that is effectual, and it is the death of Jesus Christ for sinners like us. So we need to recognize that that atonement is at the heart of the gospel we preach. And the gospel we preach is truly the hope of God offered to the world. So Christians need to be a people who proclaim Christ. Sometimes we talk about sharing Christ, but you share uh, a chocolate chip cookie. You proclaim a crucified and resurrected Lord. We need to proclaim Jesus Christ. Uh, we're, we're not just slipping in a word in a conversation that someone tangentially might remember later. We are going to fellow sinners just like us, and we are telling them there is a king. There is one who died for sin. There is one who is risen, who ascended to the Father's right hand. And so we need to be a proclamatory people in our local church and then also in our individual lives. But even as we do so, David, we work to love our neighbor. And that's a whole nother conversation. We work against evil in the public square. We oppose critical race theory in public schools. We try to help people understand that America has made progress along so-called racial lines. We want children in our schools to play together well. We want to elect politicians who will stand against lies and stand for what is true, even if they're not a born-again believer. We want as much good uh, in God's common grace, in this society, in this nation, in our world as we can get. And so preach the gospel, we preach Christ, but we also work while there is day to love our neighbor in all sorts of ways. And I don't want Christians to think we only do the first part and we don't do the second part. We do care about how unbelievers live. We do care about the flourishing, to use that word. The biblical word is really shalom in the Hebrew, the well-being comprehensively centered in God. Ultimately, we want people to not be preyed upon by the devil. So broader conversation, but we need to be a people who both proclaim the gospel and then get to work to try to love our neighbor by opposing evil and standing for the truth. And we have seen that severely challenged in recent years. Love your neighbor has basically meant in the last two years, even among many reformed and evangelical Christians, has basically meant do whatever the government tells you to do. And that is not what love your neighbor means as given by Christ in Matthew 22, 34 to 39. Love your neighbor never means live under lies and pretend like they're the truth. Love your neighbor always means stand on God's truth and do what is right, and that is what is loving, on behalf of others. So we need to reframe that among other duties we have yeah. uh, in this day. Thank you for pointing out that nuance and that the greatest value in evangelicalism today is just to be nice, even if that means not speaking the truth of God's word when necessary and how that is not what the Bible charges or God's Word charges us to do. Owen, thank you so much for coming on The Christian Worldview. It's really been great to meet you for the first time and hear this message at the Truth uh, Matters Conference, and we just wish all of God's best and grace to you in your writings and your speaking, and uh, thanks again for coming on the program. Thank you, David. Great questions, and great to be with you. Okay, you've been listening to Owen Strand today on The Christian Worldview. And again, his name doesn't look like it's pronounced. It's spelled S-T-R-A-C-H-A-N, and just simply pronounced Strand. 
Now, if you missed any of the interview today, you can always go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, to hear both parts of it. We also have a link there to his message at the Truth Matters Conference, the audio clips we've been playing the last two weeks in the program, as well as a link to his book, Christianity and Wokeness. Now, there's one more audio bite I'd like to play from that message, because it helps explain how this nation can spend an entire month celebrating what God defines as sexual and gender sin in so-called Pride Month, where the nation, and I mean every sector of the nation, falling over itself to celebrate what God calls sin. But this is just another element of this woke ideology. It's not just about race. It's about rebellion against God and his standards that he has defined for sexuality and gender. We want to live in our own moral world, perhaps, a world that we make up, because man is always trying to replace God's absolutes with man's absolutes. But God has already defined the order. God has all the rights to creation. No one can unmake what God has made. God has made it, and God has spoken over it, and God owns it. And no one can take away God's seal. God is the one who sets the terms, not you. God is the one who owns all of us. God is the one who has the deed, the title to the cosmos. And Jesus Christ, in dying on the cross and rising from the grave, has that title in his back pocket. And he's coming back for this. Do not be mistaken. This world is set up not according to human autonomy, but according to divine authority. That is what rules this world. It looks like human autonomy has won out. It has not won out. This is just temporary. All so-called victories under the banner of human autonomy are temporal victories. They will all be vacated. They will all be losses on the last day. Thank you, Owen Strand, for making God's Word abundantly clear. Because this sexual and gender perversion movement, often termed in the acronym LGBTQIA2+, in other words, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or sometimes questioning, intersexual, asexual, and two-spirited, which refers to someone who is homosexual or transgender in the Native American community. So the homosexual and transgender movement has also used this Marxist playbook to a T, claiming that, quote, we're oppressed, we're discriminated against, violence is used against us, we have high suicide rates, we're not given the same opportunities, we don't have equal representation in all areas of society, and we demand change. But what is really desired above all is affirmation of these particular sins that God defines as sins. But beyond even affirmation, it's indoctrination in the educational system and everywhere else in society that these sins are good and true and right. And then if you disagree with it, you need to be marginalized. So June is quote unquote pride month. I mean, imagine that taking pride which is a sin in of itself, in what God has clearly defined as immoral. And it's not just a, a day to celebrate this. Our nation's devoted an entire month to this. And this isn't just a small segment of our society. It's everyone from every sector falling over themselves to join in and, quote-unquote, be an ally. So the major corporations and our government and so forth, flying flags and affirming these sexual and gender sins against God. This movement that seeks to pervert God's design for sexuality and gender, this is a zero-sum power struggle for them over Christians. As this movement, the LGBTQIA2 plus movement, gains more power and acceptance, Christians just must be silenced and shamed for having an opposing viewpoint. Now, most Christians tolerate, in other words, we accept the fact that another person is going to make their own choices in life that are different 
than what the Bible says. We leave final judgment up to God. But what Christians reject is affirmation of sin or the education of our children in our public schools to sin or the irrational demand to redefine marriage or gender or call me by a certain pronoun. Any objection to this movement is immediately categorized as you're a hater and you're a bigot. Here's what President Biden and his wife said last year during so-called Pride Month. Notice how the truth that we find in God's Word is constantly being flipped and redefined. Hi, everyone. We want to wish you a happy Pride Month and let you know how proud we are to stand with you this month and every month. For the LGBTQ community, for our nation and for the world, Pride Month represents so very much. It stands for defiance in the face of injustice, the legacy of Stonewall, and the fight to ensure that all people be treated with dignity and respect. It's a fight that resonates this year on the 40th anniversary of the HIV-AIDS crisis and the 5th anniversary of the deadly attack at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando. Pride stands for courage, courage of all those in generations gone by and today who proudly live their truth. It stands for justice, as June marks the anniversary of the Supreme Court decision delivering marriage equality and protecting LGBTQ employees from discrimination. And above all else, Pride Month stands for love. Make no mistake, we still have a lot of work to do to ensure that everyone enjoys the full promise of equity, dignity, and protection. And that's especially true for trans people and for LGBTQ people of color. But we're making progress in executive orders and federal laws and and, in representation and in hearts and minds. This administration, our administration, is always going to have your back. And we're going to fight to pass the Equality Act and build a better LGBTQ life for young people. Thank you for being you. And we hope you have a bright and joyful pride. God bless you. God bless you all. I think it's a sign of an end stage for a nation when leaders can't discern between right and wrong or purposely promote what is sinful, are unwilling to even define what a woman or a man is. When they'll accept blatant lies, something contrary clearly to what God has said, that a man can become a woman or a man can get pregnant or biological males can compete with females and that's still fair and that these sexual sins are good and right, that's a very clear sign of a society in complete rebellion against God. So President Joe Biden just gave his message about Pride Month. And in response, I'd like to give God's message every month. Romans chapter 1 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they, the world, knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. That has reference to making an idol to worship. Verse 24, Therefore, God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Verse 26, For this reason, 
God gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way, also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men with men, committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. Verse 28, And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. That's exactly what President Joe Biden did in his Pride Month message. And so the message that God gives every month also continues in Acts chapter 17, where it says, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he, God, has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man, that's the son Jesus Christ, whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising Christ, his son, from the dead. I don't read any of this to be provocative, but to counter the false sin-affirming message that we are receiving constantly from our country and our leaders right now. And the Christian's call in the midst of this is to be like Christ, to never affirm the sin, but to speak the truth and the gospel with a motivation of love. Biblical love is desiring God's best for another person. And that means you love someone enough to want to tell them not to go down a road that leads to destruction. But there is another way, the way of Jesus Christ, faith in him that leads to forgiveness and eternal life. And so if you are listening today and you are practicing sin, no matter what the sin, whether it's homosexual immorality or heterosexual immorality, God is declaring to you that you should repent, turn from your sin, and put your faith, your trust in his son, Jesus Christ, who came to earth and lived a perfectly sinless life and offered himself on the cross as the payment for your sin so that you wouldn't have to pay the death penalty for your sin, but that Jesus would pay it on your behalf. If you need to find out more about this gift of forgiveness and eternal life and reconciliation that God is offering you, go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, and click on the page, What Must I Do to Be Saved? Or just call our office, one 646 We would be glad to share with you God's one way of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, we need to make a very quick transition to hear from Twyla Brace in part two of the interview as she explains this proposed treaty between the United States and the World Health Organization with regards to giving authority to the World Health Organization in the event of a quote-unquote health crisis. Before we do, help us sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ by becoming a Christian Worldview partner. Just call one 646 2233 visit org or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. And God loves you so much, He became a human being, suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. That means you don't have to end up in hell. God can legally 
forgive your sins because he's the lover of your soul. And then Jesus rose from the dead and defeated death. Mario, if you give up the battle and just say, God, I'm a rebel, and you repent and trust in Christ, God will forgive every sin you've ever committed and grant you everlasting life as a free gift. Do you believe what I'm saying? Yes. It's the gospel truth. I wouldn't lie to you. Ray Comfort is a tireless proclaimer of the gospel and a sharp defender of the faith. Did you know that Ray has written the commentary for the Evidence Study Bible, a New King James Version that is chock full of evidence for the faith and instruction on evangelism? To purchase the Evidence Study Bible, go to thechristianworldview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Pastor James Coates was arrested and sent to prison a couple of weeks ago in Canada. What did he do? He held a church service. And it isn't the government's responsibility to protect us from a virus. What's their responsibility to protect our God-given rights? Two days after that sermon, Pastor James Coates was arrested and imprisoned. He has now co-authored an important book titled God vs. Government, taking a biblical stand when Christ and compliance collide. God vs. Government is 208 pages, soft cover, and retails for $17.99. You can order a copy for a donation of any amount to The Christian Worldview. Go to thechristianworldview.org or call 1-888-646-2233 or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's 1-888-646-2233 or org. Thanks for joining us on The Christian Worldview. I'm David Wheaton. Just a reminder that today's program and past programs are archived at our website, thechristianworldview.org. Transcripts and short takes are also available. Now back to the interview with Twyla Brace of Citizens Council for Health Freedom to discuss this potential treaty for pandemics between the U.S. and the World Health Organization. Twyla, let's start out with a soundbite from Tucker Carlson of Fox News, where he describes more what this treaty would do. So what will this operational control mean? Let's be specific. Right off the bat, the treaty demands, quote, national and global coordinated actions to address the misinformation, disinformation and stigmatization that undermine public health. People are criticizing us. And for public health reasons, that can't be allowed. If you criticize us, people will die. So you saw yesterday that the Biden administration, in the face of universal laughter and derision, had to fire the head of its new ministry of truth. But they found another way to do it. Quote, WHO secretariat to build capacity to deploy proactive countermeasures against misinformation and social media attacks. So they're going to get to censor anybody who doesn't agree with what they do as they control the intimate details of your life. I think one of the most troubling things over the last two or the three years with COVID and otherwise has been all of a sudden this word disinformation and misinformation that other non-approved views are just not allowed. There's quote-unquote fact checkers on Facebook or your post is taken off Facebook or the media won't cover something or doctors will get sanctioned for suggesting alternative treatments for COVID. And yet this is what they're going to do with the World Health Organization as well, that if you don't buy what they're selling as far as what's a pandemic, what would be the treatment for it and so forth, they're going to have the power to silence you. How is this idea of disinformation? We saw this with the Biden administration trying to have this ministry of truth with they have, quote unquote, pause now. Nina Jankowitz was someone we talked about previously. How is this even considered in a nation where our first freedom is the freedom of speech? Well, I think it's all about who's got the power, right? And so the left has taken over the universities, they've taken over the media, they've taken over Hollywood, you know, they've taken over journalism. And so 
they have the power to do this. And they've decided, I think, you know, getting Trump in really unveiled what was behind all of this. We now see the left at work and we see it. Uh, We didn't see it so clearly before. And so we now know where our opposition is, where the enemies of freedom and free speech are, and we can see them all. And so, you know, I think one of the scary things that people don't really think about, and I hadn't thought about until recently, is that about 10 years ago, President Obama gave the control of the Internet away. The United States of America used to have control of the Internet. And so there are now, you know, like different countries in control of the Internet. And, you know, I don't know exactly how that all works, but I know the difference between different countries in the United States having control of this major mode of communication. You know, your phones, your social media, your email, all sorts of things, they're all tied to the Internet. You know, you get a website and that's part of the Internet and your email is off of that website. So it's part of the Internet. That should never have happened. I do not know how to fix that, but I think it's something that we should look at with caution and try to figure out how we could get control back because we're the only ones on the globe really supporting freedom. We may have thought Australia and New Zealand were doing it until COVID struck. And then we saw, then we saw what their leaders did and we knew they, they definitely do not have freedom in those two countries. The other thing that I would say about public health as rationale This is how Hitler started. You know, I hate to bring Hitler in, but the fact of the matter is he started these restrictions and these controls on the people that he didn't like by using public health. Stopping smoking was one of the first things that he did. Scary posters against the disabled. We're all up and talking about how much every disabled person costs every German. That was part of his campaign. And it all had to do with health care and public health. And so I think we should look askance at anything that uses public health and safety as the reasons to take away our freedom. This is a common way to do it, and we must not allow it to be done in this country. What has happened over the last two and a half years must never happen again, and we must have people in office who are here to protect us against that ever happening again. One more soundbite has to do with another common initiative being pushed today in schools everywhere else, but this time it's with regard to health care with this treaty and the World Health Organization. And it's not just lockdowns that that man, Tedros, would be able to dictate. The World Health Organization would also assume total control over vaccine manufacturing and distribution. We're not making this up, by the way. According to the document, WHO would create a, quote, truly global end-to-end platform for vaccines, diagnostics, therapeutics, and essential supplies, shifting from a model where innovation is left to the market to a model aimed at delivering global public goods. According to the treaty, those vaccines and essential medicines will be distributed not on the basis of need, but on the basis of equity. Equity is, quote, it says, critically important for global health, both as a principle and as an outcome. That's what the treaty declares. Therefore, the World Health Organization will ensure, quote, equitable and effective access to vaccines, therapeutics, diagnostics, and essential supplies and for clinical trials. And that means, again, quoting, Healthcare workers and the most vulnerable will have priority access. Not the sickest, not the people who need the medicine most, but the most vulnerable in a larger sense. In other words, favored groups get medicine first. There is no graver violation of medical ethics than this. A reminder that equality is different than equity. Equality is giving people equal opportunity Equity is the idea of forcing, mandating equal outcomes to favored groups, the oppressed classes. What is your response? You are a registered nurse, Twyla. You work for this health freedom organization, Citizens Council for Health Freedom. What are your thoughts when you hear the World Health Organization taking over vaccine manufacturing and then the distribution of medicines or whatever they want to distribute to those who they deem most fit. So this is a completely socialist communist agenda because the word equity is really a sneak attack on anyone who believes in freedom. 
equity is a way to do redistribution of wealth. It is a way where Tedros is thinking how he can put his hands on everybody's money in every country and redistribute it to the winners and losers according to who he prefers and what he likes. You know, this idea of equity is really being used in all sorts of ways to take away freedom, to take away free speech, to give winners and to make losers according to outsiders and people in power. We should never look at this idea of equity as anything other than a plan to steal from one and give to the other. It's a global Robin Hood scheme. It is very nefarious. And the whole idea is that Tedros and the World Health Organization will be in charge of the globe. No, this can never happen. And, And the reason we wanted to focus on this topic, Twyla, is to inform listeners as to what is going on and just to show this globalistic movement that's taking place that the Bible talks about, that this is going where the Bible predicts it will. And the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum, global alliances, this is where the Bible says things are going. So be informed about it. Now, last question for you, Twyla, just in 30 or 60 seconds, tell us about your upcoming event in September here in the Twin Cities in case people in this region want to come to your next Citizens Council for Health Freedom event. Yes, we're very excited to announce that we have General Michael T. Flynn coming as our keynote speaker. This is our fundraising event, and he has been doing freedom and health conferences now called Reawaken America uh, tours around the country. And he will be an excellent person for every person to listen to who cares about freedom, who cares about America, who cares about making sure that the patient and the doctor can work together in freedom. Because after all, if you do not have freedom in the exam room, you do not have freedom at all because other people will decide what your value is. So our event is Thursday, September 15th, and tickets will be available in the early part of June. And we encourage everybody to come and support our efforts and to see and hear General Flynn give a wonderful presentation. Thank you for telling us about that, Twyla. We will link that on our website as well, thechristianworldview.org. Twyla, thank you for all the great and important work you do in this realm of healthcare that has become such a prominent issue in our world today. All of God's best and grace to you. Thank you, David. Okay, we are out of time for today, but we encourage you to go to our website, thechristianworldview.org, to find out about Citizens Council for Health Freedom's event this coming fall on Thursday, September 15th. Thank you for joining us today on The Christian Worldview. Thanks to you, our listeners, for funding today's program. In just a moment, there will be lots of information on this nonprofit radio ministry. Be encouraged. We may live in a very challenging world. But Jesus Christ and his word are the same yesterday and today and forever. So until next time, think biblically, live accordingly, and stand firm. The mission of the Christian worldview is to sharpen the biblical worldview of Christians and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We hope today's broadcast encouraged you toward that end. To hear a replay of today's program, order a transcript, or find out what must I do to be saved, go to thechristianworldview.org or call toll-free 1-888-646-2233. The Christian Worldview is a listener-supported nonprofit radio ministry furnished by the Overcomer Foundation. To make a donation, become a Christian Worldview partner, order resources, subscribe to our free newsletter, or contact us visit thechristianworldview.org, call 1-888-646-2233, or write to Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. That's Box 401, Excelsior, Minnesota, 55331. Thanks for listening to The Christian Worldview.